and welcome to another episode of the Microsoft Spotlight. Today it's just me because Sophie's away on holiday and John's just come back from holiday and he is jet lagged in the office somewhere trying to find a meeting room so hopefully he might join us. But until then, Holly, how are you? Hi, uh, I'm great, thank you very much. Nice to uh, nice to be here. Yes, so obviously you've been voted and nominated to be on this episode by Sophie and a few other people you've mentioned. So. You know who are friends on this podcast and share us out quite regularly. Yeah, I've always been a bit scared though, so I've, 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 I don't know, just put off doing it. But finally, I think once Peter Rising tagged me, I thought, oh, I better go on it now. Nah, so there's nothing to be scared of. So, like as I said before, this recording this episode, this is just a general free flowing conversation, just talking about you and your your career because that's what we're here to do. We're here to put a spotlight. Love using that word. I use that for a while on the people that basically join us as guests. So, want to tell us a bit about yourself? What you're currently doing? Yeah. Uh, so currently, um, I work for a company called CPS Corporate Project Solutions. I'm actually one of their M365 technical architects. I only joined them three months ago, so I'm still relatively new and finding my feet. Um, but CPS primarily um, sell Microsoft services. Uh, and and help companies with their digital transformation. So um, it's a really it's a relatively small company, especially compared to other companies that I've worked at. But it's also they want to like a Microsoft Gold partner, and Microsoft always recommend them to uh, to other customers and things to, you know, for us to come in and deliver things, especially around the new technologies like Viva, um, and Viva Girls and and a lot of things that companies are interested in and want to try and roll out. So yeah, I seem to be getting um, a lot a lot of opportunities around Viva at the minute um, and things like the mobile device management and Intune. I tend to do a lot of stuff around that and the security aspects of three six five. So I have a lot of variety in this job. So I really like that. It can't be a bit of variety. So I'm a person where you know I like taking on new challenges. If it's not new, then it kind of gets a bit mundane and you know you do get a little bit bored obviously with working with you know Microsoft technologies on a, a daily basis you always find there's always something new to play with and something to mess oh, around every with. day something changes and a, and a button moves yes yeah, so <laughs> and then moves it throws off or... your demo or, or whatever you try trying here and the button's gone and yeah <laughs> yeah I mean I do regular calls with one of my customers where, where we go through uh, the Microsoft roadmap and all the different things are basically thrown us there and like Yes, I, I, how are you meant to keep up with this when there's like 10 items <laughs> being released a day, 20 items a day before? So, you know, it's, it's a struggle in our space, but, you know, it's what keeps us going and keeps us happy. You're the type of person that doesn't like change. You can't work in anything to do with IT or Microsoft because it it's just not going to suit you if you're really not into, uh, into change. But you have to get comfortable with change, I suppose. Definitely. So... Going back to the very beginning, so let's talk about where you started in the world of IT, like from like a school age up into present day. So, like what got you, you know, interested in, in IT and a, and a role as a woman in tech? I'm gonna blame my dad. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I genuinely, that. genuinely, I've always had a passion for technology ever since my dad brought home this like Acorn PC with Windows 95. And then I think we got uh, Encarta. So that was before we had obviously Google and Wikipedia and things. And I, I got what, to actually. Going back some years, that is now. <laughs> it's a loving Encarta. Yeah, sure... One of the 
Just going on it, just searching for random things, all that, yeah. I know, I used to spend hours and hours on that programme learning just about anything and everything, and I absolutely loved that. Um, and then that sort of transpired because then I excelled really well at IT and graphics um, at school, whereas the other subjects, not, not so much. I didn't go to university. I tried college, but I'm just, at that point, just not a very academic person I just wanted to get stuck in and and do something um I ended up doing what most sort of late teens do and getting sort of retail jobs um but when I hit about 18 I really wanted to get into IT uh, but I just didn't know didn't know where to start or what to do um I ended up getting like a temp job uh, as a sort of an admin um, just in an office thinking this will put me, you know, pay the bills, put me on a little bit and I can decide what I want to do. And at that point, I decided to pay to do some IT courses at the local college. So, again, this was in Server 2003, Windows XP, this kind of stuff. Uh, running on, what's it, Windows NT workstations. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we've all been there. That. <laughs> But, yeah, um, so... I've decided to pay for these courses. So I was kind of going, working during the day and then going to college on a night. And at this point, the, this company where I was temping at, um, their IT manager found out because I was talking to him about that I was doing these IT courses. And he basically put me in touch with their finance director and said, why don't you come do some IT for us? And we'll pay for your courses as a, as a thank you. So... Just because that happened, that was literally my into IT. So I ended up there working uh, alongside the IT manager and basically going up and down the country, fixing PCs, fixing servers, installing networking cables into office, literally anything to do with IT or anything that had a plug. I just had to learn how to deal with it. And it was it were brilliant and great fun, really good fun. But I think as time went on, I realised that if I stayed in that job, I'd still be in that job in 10 years' time. There were no progression. There were nowhere to go because it was such yeah. a small company. It was just the IT manager and me. They, they didn't need any more than that. So I think at that point, that's when I was like, what's my next step? Or what, you know, but where do I go from here? So I started looking for some sort of IT technician roles because that's essentially what I was doing. Um, and I actually ended up, um, getting a role at the University of Leeds as an IT technician. So I worked there for in, in various different roles, working across different departments uh, and some of the STEM faculties and just getting loads of experience around how working in a really large organisation and different departments and, you know, PCs that hooked up to eight million pound microscopes and all this kind of stuff. It was really, really interesting. But weirdly, at the same time as I was doing that and enjoying it, I knew it wasn't what I wanted to do long term. And I actually ended up, one of my friends was getting married and she was looking, this is really strange, she was looking to buy some wedding invitations and she showed me this wedding invite. And she was like, oh, these are, these are what I'm going to buy for my wedding. And I I looked at it and I said, I could make this for you. And she said, well, you know, how? And I was like, well, I just feel like if I buy the stuff, I'll be able to make this for you and I'll actually make it a bit better. 
So she trusted me and um, yeah, I ended up setting my own business, uh, making bespoke wedding stationery. So all handmade um, and that was actually really successful and I won quite a lot of awards um, for like for my invitation design. I was in a lot of the papers and stuff, but juggling working full time and running the business was really difficult. And I was I was finding I was taking days off work holiday to work. So at this point, I had it was quite a big like a decision point in my life where it was do I stay in tech, which I love. But I also really liked doing the, the this wedding stationery business and it was I was good at it and successful at it. But I had to in the in, in the end sort of go with my I don't know, go with my gut instinct and it was that that I needed to stop the business and search for whatever it's meant to be in tech that I was meant to be doing because and and also it's hard work working for yourself, really hard work. And I think I'm just not that type of person. I think long term, I'm happier working for someone else, making them money as long as they're paying me money. <laughs> of course, that's, that's the main goal for everything, isn't it? Yeah, well, actually, I know it's not for everyone. Some people would rather go make their own money, and that's fine. But it's not for me. I've I've decided it's not for me. So, um, after after five years, I've I wound down that business, um, and I still miss it in a way. But it, you know, I'm glad I've done it and tried it. And obviously, when the pandemic pandemic hit I was really glad I didn't do that because I literally would have had no work for two years <laughs> so yeah I understand that because I like you know I got married last year and we were meant to get married the year of Covid and my wife literally sat there and made all our wedding invitations they were absolutely amazing they were spot on and then it's like Covid hit delayed for like two years and then yeah. she, got, she made, got me to make them all over again I was like, well, can't we just buy something? <laughs> we made them once and sent them out. Can't we just buy something? But no, she made, <laughs> made us make all these invitations again. Um, but no, it sounds not, like you're... Not ideal. Nah, it weren't ideal at all. But it sounds, it sounds like your IT career is similar to mine. I mean, you know, I went to college, didn't really enjoy college. I'm not an ap academic person at whatsoever, even though I've got them CT status up there. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it just wasn't for me. So I ended up going to an apprenticeship. And in that apprenticeship, I was doing hands-on IT in a pro hospital. So I was quite fortunate that the guy that I was working for was basically like my dad. He would, he'd literally give me a kick up the arse, tell me what <laughs> I needed to do, you know, call me the T-boy and everything. I'd have, I'd have great banter with him, but, you know, he's a person that put me on the, the straight and narrow. Um, you know, I had to leave that place because of the change of outsourcing IT. Ended up going to a similar place to what you were, where I was travelling up and down the country, um, in my respect, I was helping um, opticians. So I was going to op local opticians with all the different machinery okay. um, that you, you get tested with and making sure they're all kept up to the network, the printers, or all going like, you know, Windows embedded, making sure they're running properly. And it's like, you know, I'm not going to really progress anywhere. So I end up going to a company that's probably well known now in the UK, a company called HomeServe, um, which is like literally a stone throw from where I live now. And from there, that's where I got into the desktop and then learn networking and then just then decided, well, you know, I can do a bit of both and end up, you know, progressing my career from there. Yeah, it's interesting. I feel like everyone's story of how they got into IT is completely different. And a lot of people end up going into it by accident or falling into it. And, it, and yeah, it's it's really interesting. Now, so I've always, always knew that I wanted a career in IT. Ever since I started playing Doom on Windows 95, Going around to my nan nan's house, my uncle's like, going to PC, that's it, I'm playing Doom, <laughs> even though it's like an 18, I was like, you know, a youngster, I'm like, yeah, 
a lot of computers, but now nah, it's something that I always thought I'd end up doing. So it's something that I very much you know, drove myself to. And, yeah. You know, I've created a, a career for myself out of it. No, that's really good. I um, So when I was at the university and I'd given up my business and I was back doing my IT um, technician role, um, it got to a point where I think I had a manager where I just felt they were really unhelpful. And I genuinely went away most nights going, I could do their job better. Like, this is just not, <laughs> just, it was really frustrating. And essentially, a job got advertised, uh, internal only, um, to be an IT leader. Um, so I went to my manager and I said, I want to apply for this job. And he said, oh, if, if I were you, I'd have a chat with the hiring manager. I don't think you'll be what they want. So I said, OK, fine, I'll have a chat with the hiring manager. So I had a chat with the hiring manager and he was absolutely lovely. Um, it a bit of red tape internal processes meant that I had to also speak to my manager's manager and get his permission to allow me to also apply for the job. Yep. So I couldn't get in touch with the hiring manager and the job was due to close. I, um, I'd filled in all the application form um, and I, I genuinely felt confident and I wanted to apply for this role. So quarter five, I was actually going on holiday the next day. So I submitted my application and I sent the manager an email and said, I've not been able to get in touch with you. I am applying for this role. And I left it there and I went off on holiday for two weeks. When I came back, I noticed that at five past five that same day, I had an email from him telling me not to apply for the job because I wouldn't get it. Oh, and I have that in writing. <laughs> no way. Uh, yeah, I have that in writing. And... Anyway, I, I got a job interview and I went to the job interview and I was offered the job. So I went from being sort of an IT technician into this leadership role and it was amazing and a very steep learning curve going from, you know, just being sort of looking after yourself and going around and picking jobs out of a queue and fixing PCs into having a team of people that you need to pull together and a list of services that you also need to manage as well. Um, but I loved it, absolutely loved it. Um, I was actually nominated for a One to Watch Award at the Leeds Digital Festival in 2019. Um, okay. So yeah, so that that tells me some. I was doing something right at that time because I was new to it and I was being nominated for awards um, as well. Um, I actually got the opportunity as well to do um, a degree apprenticeship in leadership. So I feel like I was on this sort of this journey all of a sudden of like a fast track journey to be sort of like a senior female IT leader, which genuinely is where my heart is saying I should be and need to be and want to be. So I really loved that role. And I also got offered another role um, looking after one of the more notoriously hard, hard, harder teams to manage, shall we say. Um, so I moved on to do that instead. Um, and yeah, ended up sort of responsible for Microsoft 365 services at the university, which is where the Microsoft sort of my love for 365 came in because all of a sudden there was this brand new service that needed 
properly implementing, supporting. There were no, you know, there were no technical team supporting it or anything. Um, there were no documentation. No one had been trained. It was just here's three six five. It's turned on. Off you go. Um, and I also had the opportunity to roll out Teams because obviously Teams was new back in twenty eighteen and. Um, yeah, we looked to to roll that out. So I I sort of spearheaded the rollout of teams across the university to all the staff. And then obviously we got to the point where there were a pandemic and we needed to all of a sudden allow 45,000 students and 15,000 staff to work from home. So we had to really quickly roll out teams for students as well. So um, I got the opportunity to do that. One of the other opportunities I got was to work with the NHS to help them with their teams rollout as well as a bit of a consultancy piece of work. And that was that was amazing. Just just being able to talk to them about my experiences, what went wrong with the teams rollout, what went well um, team sprawl, because it happened. We had a data breach. There were all sorts of things that I learned from that that I can then and I still use now to apply to other companies to help them make sure they don't fall into them same traps and mistakes. Um, so yeah, I'm sorry, I've gone off on a little bit of a tangent there, but yeah, That's I feel right. like <laughs> at that point I was on, I felt like I were on this trajectory, I can't say that word, or this roller coaster of, of, I had my job for life as such. And if I stayed there, I'd, I could be their CTO, I could be their IT director, whatever I wanted to be, I could be, and I felt supported that I was going to get that and I thought that that was it for me and I was sorted but I actually got a mentor an external mentor so someone who didn't know me never met them before and the idea of that was to work on my confidence um, because I wasn't very good at selling myself or believing in what believing in what I can do so like now today it might come across like I'm talking to you quite confidently about my achievements and what I've done I wouldn't have been able to do that because I just didn't have the ability to take a compliment or know how to yeah <laughs> just I just didn't have that confidence I suppose so this external mentor came along and the first question he asked me was why do you work in tech why can't you go do this job somewhere else go be a leader somewhere else and honestly, I went away and I think I had about two or three nights of feeling, I don't know, I just didn't sleep because I was like, how dare he say that I, I shouldn't work in IT? Like, I, I want to work in IT. <laughs> so, yeah, working with that mentor was absolutely amazing. And we came to a very solid conclusion that I want to work in tech and stay in tech. And that's and that's OK. And that's good. And that's that's what I want to do. Um. One of the other things that this mentor got me to do was he asked me why I couldn't go to that next leadership level now. Why was I just happy staying in the in, at the level that I was? So he gave me this secret mission, not so secret now, but a secret mission. And he told me to go out and find five jobs, five jobs that I thought were out of reach that I couldn't, I wouldn't get if I applied and just bring them back to him. But in between him telling me that and me next speaking to him, I, I went off on a bit of a tangent and I actually applied for five roles. Out of those five roles, I got four job interviews and I got two job offers. 
So my mentor was, as you can tell, he was probably, he was a bit shocked, I think, when I said to him, he was like, show me the five roles. And I'm like, oh no, I've, I've, I've applied. I've actually got two job offers. <laughs> yeah, it, to be fair, I wasn't expecting that either. And I wasn't planning on leaving the university. I was, that was my job for life. This was just, uh, just a little mission just to see what happened. And the plan was that, that working with the mentor, he would help me learn to sell myself and build my confidence. But somehow, I, I don't know if it's the conversations that I'd had with him previously, but I just felt like I should just go for it and I had nothing to lose. So I obviously did okay because <laughs> because of the outcome. But interestingly, yeah, one, go on, John, sorry. That's like, yeah, definitely worth it, isn't it? A good experience. Anyway, hi, everyone. I, I've, I've joined the conversation a little bit late. <laughs> he's here, he's here. Straight off the all the way from all the way from Florida, <laughs> from Mickey Mouse to to Holly Ray. So hi. <laughs> <laughs> Not much difference. <laughs> but yeah, sorry, John. I've kept you waiting there for ages, waffling on. <laughs> that is all right. I was I was I was just in um a late to the conversation. Don't know where we're about to be at with the story, but I was just checking oh, LinkedIn. So just, to, just to, like, going through to... job history, mate. You know, as we <laughs> as we do, we've still got another jobs to two 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 jobs to go through. So. We're still We're there. there. My story's nearly <laughs> But yeah, I so out of these two jobs that I got offered, one of them was actually not the job I applied for. So they actually said to me, you know, you've applied for um, a job, but we actually think you'd be better suited to be an M365 architect for a solution architect for us. And I I've gone to an agent. And I said to the agent, oh, no, I'm, I don't want to be an architect. No, thanks. I'm not interested. Because there's no, there was no line management responsibility and it was a full tech, full-time tech role as such. So, so I went, I actually went back to my mentor and he said, did you look at the job description? I said, no, I don't need to look at the job description. I don't, I don't want to be an architect. And he said, well, you've got nothing to lose. Well, you, why don't you at least look at the job description? Genuinely, I read this job description and went, this job sounds awesome. And and actually, it was more money than the original job I applied for. I didn't have responsibility of line managing anyone. And I think at this point, I was starting to realise that I was feeling a bit burnt out, but I'd not recognised it. So when I accepted the job to go be a solution architect for Clarinet, I, I was going in there with the mindset knowing I was giving up this apprenticeship degree that I'd been doing. And I was two years into. And I was also going to have to not line manage anyone and then try and figure out on my career what that meant. Because, I, uh, yeah, so Clarinet offered me this job and I started there knowing I was giving up my degree and I was also giving up the line management responsibility. Um, but at this point, I was also moving house into an house that needed full refurbishment and there were a lot going on personally and I just felt that actually maybe it was the right time and just to step back for a little bit and recompose myself so at that point I joined clarinet and I re I realized very quickly that I was suffering burnout and I was in this I, I realized not until I'd left that I'd been rewarded for like wearing a medal for how many hours you worked, how stressed you were, 
who didn't have a lunch break, you know, no such thing as a lunch break. All the things that are not good, but it, it took me to leave and look back on that and reflect on it and realise that that was not healthy and not good. So from day one, when I joined Clarinet, I made sure I put an hour lunch break in my diary. My contract said I got an hour lunch. I was putting it in my diary. Good. And I think I also realised that it's not life and death either. So yeah. if you're giving That's a one of the first work, things I've done. First things I've done when I've, I've literally just joined a, a new company. The first thing I've done was put in a lunch break every single day for an hour. Yeah. Saying do not, do not, do not book. Um. <laughs> it's really easy to slip into that letting people override your lunch break. And I, I've noticed it more. People, especially that have been at a company a long time, they're more likely to be the people that are happy to not have a break and things. Whereas I've just realised about the importance of setting boundaries and looking after my own mental health and well-being. So to me, that hour every day, my contract says I get it, I'm having it. And it's and I shouldn't feel guilty about that either. And I and I think more people probably need to think about that as well, because I think I've also realised that, you know, if I something happened and I left or my job would just get re-advertised, I, I can't exactly. be replaced at home that easy. <laughs> no, no. No, and the, and the whole mental health thing, taking time for yourself, such a big thing that, sorry, I am still here, but I'm uh, my desk was over there and I'm <laughs> running out of battery, so I'm just running over to get um, a charger. Um, <laughs> the same, I but, do um, some, I mean, I put like the school run into my diary, so I literally, yeah, so I. when I know that I've got to do the school run, it's basically blocked out, so people don't book calls, people try and book calls, but I just don't put tentative, you know, depending on you know, how important it is. But, you know, you, you've got to have, I mean, you've got to organise your diary in such a way where it works for you, yeah. not other people. I couldn't agree more. And I just think that it's it's too easy to slip back into that. And I think I am I actively work really hard now to make sure I'm always prioritising my own health and well-being over, you know, if someone gives a piece of work to do and they've given you eight hours to do it in and it don't get done, as long as I can justify that, I think that's okay. And I can say, well, it didn't get done for these reasons. So actually enough time won't allocated to it. Or it might be, you know, if you've got an appointment or something you need to go do, school run, that kind of thing, I can then know that I could work on that later when I choose to. It's not, yeah, it's all about boundaries, I think, and just making sure that it needs to work for your workplace. I totally understand that, but it also needs to work for you. And I think, all these things I've learned, I'd never go back to an environment where I was, where, like I say, you were getting these medals for essentially burning yourself out. I don't. It's not healthy, and I don't. And you know, it's just not not a nice thing. And I don't think a lot of people recognise it until it's too late. I think, I think a lot of things you got to do. Yeah, I think a lot of things you got to do. You got to work at your own pace. So your own pace could be back-to-back -back meetings and all of this stuff, which might be good for certain people, but for for others like myself, I can't do that. Like I could I do that for a day, and that's about it. And then after that, it's just about kind of doing doing things at the pace that you, that I'm that I'm I'm okay at, yeah. and having time booked in to to do stuff such as um, like people coming into the office. Um, <laughs> I found like a little quiet office where there was not, not, not where no one was. Like it's starting to fill up. It's Thursday, um, but it's yeah, doing doing things at your own pace and having time booked in for lunches, for school runs, for time to do content, to do 
blogs and stuff like that and um yeah going from a new company i mean you i think you've just started at cps haven't you so yeah it's just kind of getting used to how different companies work it's just mad it's, it's i've been at cd i was at cdw for eight years previously so i was very much used to how how that was and yeah. um and it's just getting getting used to different companies for me it's just yeah. this is quite quite hard to be fair it's very hard yeah i thought I because i went from obviously this a small company originally to a public sector massive company to a private company that was relatively well i thought it was small but then i joined cps and that's really small so it's it's every company works completely different and it's just it's not a bad thing and it's actually quite good to get experience of these different companies and you find that obviously the bigger the company is the more red tape and departments and people you need to go through to get things done yeah i'm seeing a lot less of that i've gone from cdw which is a 2.3 billion pound company in the uk um and 20 billion worldwide to civilian uh, who are, are a lot a lot a lot smaller yeah. so it's 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 um yeah it's it's different and think about the thing is as you said things get can get done quicker and there's less red tape the decision needs to be made it could be made uh, there's, i think there's two levels to the ceo above me so um yeah, yeah no, thing, it's a much more flat are, structure exactly yeah so it's, it's nice in some ways and um and and different in others. Bad in others. It's hard to say bad yet. I've only been here for a month, but it's different in others. So you've got to get used to it. <laughs> you have to settle in. I, I said at the beginning, I've I've only been at CPS three months, so I'm still feel like I'm finding my feet and what you know how things work and and it, I, everyone says you go through that change curve and it probably takes six months to properly settle into a new place. So I'm 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 halfway there now. So <laughs> yeah. Well, I've been here for a month now, and two of it I've been in Florida. So everyone's like, oh, how's your third month been? I've been, well, I've technically been here two weeks. Um, <laughs> the other two weeks I was, yeah, I was running around Disney Park. Um, so. Diff- That's what it seems to be doing, John, really is. Oh, man, I'm so tired. I need another holiday. <laughs> That's not good. <laughs> but you get to another conference, don't you, John, just have a bit of a holiday. Oh, yeah, I don't know about that. I've like, come back from a conference and you feel even more tired again. So it's just, yeah, I think it's that thing of burnout. Uh, people say called burnout. I don't know. I think I should be burnt out. It probably is for how I feel, but keep keep going. <laughs> it's recognising it, isn't it? And, and knowing what things you can put in place to make sure you don't get to that level where you literally can't physically work or even get out of bed because that's just not a not a nice place to be. No. So the one thing as well, though, you, you, obviously you've got you've come to the role now of an architect. You don't really see many female architects. Uh, I know there's yeah. a couple at CPS, but generally in the UK, there's not many that I can name the top of my head that I know of. No, oh, you got Cat works with you, doesn't she? Yeah, Cat works for me. So yeah, Cat's nice. actually Cat's uh, now my line manager. In fact, so yeah, it's yeah. Um, I saw that promotion recently. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Cat. Um, yeah, in in. There's not many females in, well, females in tech in general. And we're only about, I think, 16 or 17% of the of the overall population of the IT sector. But there is definitely more and more women getting into it. And I think as well, it's a lot of people don't realise that in tech that are not technical, 
So as much as I'm in a technical role, but there's also lots of roles where you don't need to be technical to work in those roles. And a lot more women are getting into them them type of roles now. But I'd love to see more female architects. Love to. And I, and I know Catwood as well. It's it's anything we can do to try and promote that. We, we do and we are trying to. Yeah, that's something I'm trying to do within my own organisation at Fujitsu is try and get more females in technical roles. Say I work in an all-male team, so it'd be nice to have that diversity of having females in there as well. Because obviously, you know, it's a more well-rounded team. It's a better conversation and, you know, different ideas as well. You find you at different perspectives, um, having a having a, a mix. Um, I was very fortunate at the university when I was building out the 365 team that I was able to hire people. I ended up with a 50-50 mix team. So um, half the team was um, female, um, half the team was male. And then as time went on, actually, um, we got some more BIM. Um, and also we had um, a, oh, my brain's just stopped working now. Non-binary, sorry. So yeah, we also had a non-binary person um, join the team as well. So we, cool. I, it really helped me see the value of having different people and cultures and opinions in a team really make a really good success of a service. I mean, that team's now, I think they've got, as, as of today, I think they've got 12 in that team now, still going really strong. Um, and I think... I'm really proud that I were part of building those foundations and putting that team in place to make to you know to support such an important service, especially to an organisation of that size. That's yeah. wicked. So in Fujitsu, it's like I'm really trying to you know get more male allies on board within the business because I think it's something that we need to help obviously you know build up our female colleagues and to get them into the roles that we want to see them in. Because a lot of the main head roles within the business are run by females i mean my my boss's direct manager is a female and also our head of finance and a few other heads as well all females as well so it's, it's good that there is that pathway there for women to go to the, the higher level but you know we still need to do more internally we still need to it, do more it doesn't externally. have to be leadership it doesn't have to be you know women coming in and just and being managers it, it like you said it can be these actual technical roles and getting hands-on and and learning but it's it, i suppose it's just very difficult for and aspirations isn't it really that's the thing people may want to stay technical i mean i always thought i want to stay technical I end up you know going to become an architect and being less technical and having that you know million of one different phone calls every single day with customers but you know it very much depends on well, you know, they've got one career, you've got one life, you know, it depends what you want to achieve in that, yeah. that, that time, really, so. I think everybody, as well, like me especially, I thought that your career was, you know, you started here and it just went up and up and up and up and up. And actually, the more that time's gone on and the more I learn as as you mature and become older and and I I think I've learned that it's not just about going up, sometimes taking a sidestep or a down or... It's it's more like a, a bit of a, a bit of a cliche roller coaster because it it needs to be that to make you more of a rounded person and to understand and appreciate and you also then figure out what you do and don't like doing because um, yeah. you know if if you're going into a job every single day and you hate it 
and it doesn't get you out of bed and you don't like what you're doing, well, why are you doing it? Why not? Go find another one. What, well, I try and say to people, what what's your passion? What gets you up and out of bed? And why can't you do that as a career? Some Something around that or what skills does that, you know, what... A lot of people have transferable skills and they just don't, they don't notice or they, they think that you have to just, you're in a job and you're in it. But I, I think, like I say, the older I get, the more I realise that if you're not happy or you don't like what you're doing or another opportunity presents itself, what have you got to lose? Well, so I think that's just a new job in general, like not even IT. It's just uh, my wife works in, in HR and before she said how she hasn't, doesn't like a job. I was like, well, don't do it then. Go and do something else. Find something that you like and just just do it. Like it doesn't like there's no point going to a job every day and and not and not enjoying it. Like you spend too much time at work to not enjoy exactly. it. I think. Yeah. Go and go and do something. Go do something that you actually enjoy because that's that's when you're going to be more productive and when and and not worrying about it. If you spend like all your time not working, worry about going to work the next day, then there's no there's no point. Go go do something. You improve else. your home life as well. Being happy. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, my wife's a warrior, like um, a lot, of, a lot of people are, um, and a, a warrior, and everything, everything's a worry the next day, and and everything like that. So don't <laughs> spend all, all your time, don't spend all your time worrying about what you're gonna do the next day. Just go and enjoy yourself. Yeah, I, I can't. I, yeah, can't disagree with that at all. I think it's it's really important. But yeah, and some people think that the career they've fallen into, they have to stay in that as well, and and it's just not true. It's it's no, and you've had, got nothing had, to lose, have you? By trying. we've had far too many we've had far too many guests in this show that have had career changes um, and halfway through their careers as well to to show that it does work and you can and you don't have to have a career change and then just be at the low point of that of that industry that you change into. You can go and become I think a, a kick-ass leader in 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 that section as well. So yeah. Yeah, we've we've seen we've seen it all. I think Andrew, haven't we? We have indeed. <laughs> So now we've spoken a lot about the present, the past. So what's the future hold for Holly? We are coming close to our runtime. So tell us what the future holds for you now. So one of my conditions when I joined CPS was that I wanted to pick back up my degree. So I'm now in my final year of my leadership apprenticeship degree programme. So in this time next year, I'll be done, hopefully. And I'll also have chart a chartered management status. Um, as well as a degree, because I don't have a degree currently. Um, not that it's stopped me getting where I am, but potentially it could stop me in the future from applying for certain roles or going to certain jobs because I don't have that, you know, that bit of paper. Um, I have actually seen plenty of jobs where I can't apply because I don't have that. So for me, it's worth doing. And I'm glad that I've you know, spent the time doing it and I've just got to push through this next year of working and trying to do the degree at the same time. Um and that's quite I'm... funny actually. Sorry. <laughs> um like it's just conversations me and Andrew have had with different people in in um in it's like Typically, gone by. <laughs> yeah, an episode's gone by. Typically, when a um, a male looks at a a job description, and they see kind of needs like um, degree type thing. Yeah. Even if I haven't got what uh, men are more typically um, will more typically apply for that role even if they haven't got it. Yeah. Whereas um, a whereas lot of I look at the essential criteria and I go it's essential so, and I don't yeah. have that so I can't do it. Yeah. 
But I'd apply yeah. for nah, it. Nah, anyway. for me, some of it, that's it. Yeah. I'm just, just going to apply. <laughs> <laughs> I'll still, I'd still apply for that. And, and yeah, I'd still apply for it. And it's just something that, that we've, we've spoke quite a lot about on, on this show. And I think we had a, we had a guest, I think last, last January, not January, just gone January before. And it was, um, who, who was it? Um, blonde lady from Hertfordshire area. She's played for the Arsenal women's team. We spoke oh, a lot about oh. it. <laughs> what, what's her name now? You know what? I actually saw her on LinkedIn recently because she's been with one of our other guests, Jonah, Jonah Anderson. Oh. Yes. Hang on. So if you're listening Ellie. to the podcast and you want to hear Ellie, Ellie King. Ellie King. Ellie King. Yeah? Yeah. So if you want to look at that and talk about and listen to her insights on like applying for jobs and job descriptions and stuff, that's a really good one to, to, um, to go back and listen to. But we spoke about it quite in depth, mm. didn't we? Yeah, yeah, I found it really interesting and especially as I've been in positions of, of being the hiring manager and how important it is about that essential criteria and making sure is it actually essential or are you just saying that and making sure that you know your desirables can be whatever you want but your essentials you'll potentially put certain people off or cut a whole section of people out from even applying potentially depending on what you put in yeah. that essentials but I think also the biggest thing is personality fit if your personality doesn't fit yeah. the company, the way they operate, then you know you're not going to get in the door really. No. So you may and not you have, have to think you need to interview skills. them as well. Yeah. Yeah, it works both ways. But I, yeah, I've, I've only joined CPS like I said three months ago. So, um, and I'm doing my degree. I'm I still in my gut feel that leadership is where I'm meant to be, uh, especially in IT. So watch this space but yeah I'd like to think that in 10 years I'll be an IT director or a CTO or I want to see it at that top table and I will get it. <laughs> the thing is though it does happen you know what I mean we had uh, Anna Michaels on from Microsoft she was just a product marketing manager for Microsoft Teams she's now the CTO of Microsoft in Austria so she's moved back from the States back over to Europe that's where she's originally from and now she's the CTO and always puts about LinkedIn so you know Amazing. it is possible in organizations just you know finding that that pathway when it comes it is like I say I've not had that yeah that straight up career but I don't think that you I don't think you need that and I think I've it's taking that step back these last few years of and step away from the leadership side has actually done me the world of good and I've learned a lot about myself and I think overall that'll make me a better leader in the future. Awesome. Well, so we're very much close to running time. So John, do you want to throw in your usual questions at the end? No, because I've got no time. I've got a meeting in two minutes. <laughs> that's good, I didn't want to win. <laughs> well, that, that's fine, yeah. That's, that's, still got three minutes, John, yeah. Well, Holly, it's, uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you today. I say, you know, it's always nice to interview guests and different people and meet new people. So, thank you for sharing your your story with us today. And I say, as I spoke at this very start, it does seem a bit similar to my career path, how I got into IT. So, it's it's always nice to hear you know, how people got to where they are. Oh, thank you, and thank you for having me. I'm glad I've. I've finally bit the bullet and done it after everyone were telling me I should. So it's not scary at all, is it really? <laughs> no, it's not. I just hope people don't think I've waffled on. Nah, it's all good. That's that's what right. podcasts are for. That's what podcasts are for, to be fair, to waffle on. Yeah. Otherwise, it'd be very short. Very true, very true. <laughs> exactly. Right, and everyone, 
It's been a pleasure. I will see you all next time. Holly, hopefully we'll see you at an event, hopefully in the future. I'm sure so I'm sure me and John are going to be at the South Coast Summit. I've submitted a session again for that. So, you know, if we do a panel, maybe we'll get, maybe we'll get you on that. Awesome. And John, go and get some see sleep you after you've uh, done work oh, in the office. <laughs> so tiring. Okay, guys. I'll see Thank you guys you. later. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you very much. See you all. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Microsoft Spotlight podcast. Please make sure you hit that like, share and subscribe button to help us promote our message. You can also follow us on Twitter at MSFT Spotlight and we're also on LinkedIn for Microsoft Spotlight Podcast. And finally, we'd like to tell you a little bit about BitTitan and thank them for sponsoring this podcast. Remote migrations start here. Let MigrationWiz do the work for you. It's fast, secure and 100% SaaS which means you can migrate at any time and from anywhere. Migrate mailboxes, documents, public folders, personal archives, or even Microsoft Teams with just a few clicks. No special training needed and no customer downtime. When the work matters, choose MigrationWiz.